This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Throughout the nation and around the globe, from his heart to yours, it's Dear James Live on the radio. Here on the Contact Talk Radio Network, bringing you intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dear James Live. Express yourself, tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. And today I am back with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan, for Beauty and the Beast, part two. Hello, hello, good morning, good morning. Good morning. So we had such a great show last week that we couldn't get to all of the material, and it's such an amazing topic. Oh, my that, goodness. It's true. Yeah, that, that we, we said, as you said a minute ago, so much beast and so little time, <laughs> and uh, which was so true. And so we're bringing back to everyone listening, we're bringing back part two of Beauty and the Beast and this whole discussion about how really they're one in, they're one in the same. And it's, the, it's this challenge, this... Uh, this inner conflict, if you will, that we have, or this inner critic that we all have, that we're identifying as the beast, if you will, and that really the beast is there to help us evolve, that we're meant to transcend, not become. And so these are some of the amazing discussions that we're going to have. We're going to continue this discussion about beauty and the beast, this whole internal critic and conflict and how we move through it. How do you address it? How do you find the beauty in yourself, even in the most challenging moments? So, Dr. Jan, I wanted to, you know, last week we started off with a lot of statistics about, you know, 11 facts about body image and body consciousness and, and how that affects us. And, of course, that's just one slice of the pie. I mean, let's talk about some of the other beasts, if you will. Oh, well, my goodness, there are so many of them. And... um We've always known that as humans, we have this capacity to split ourselves in many pieces. And in fact, there are many therapies now that have to do with bringing those inner parts of ourselves, internal family systems therapy, uh, parts therapy, because we, we fragment. It's as if we can't look into one mirror and accept the whole picture. We actually have to split ourselves off into parts. So, as a result of that, uh, we can live many different kinds of lives. Uh, there are those of us who, who don't feel authentic in our own lives, again, because we don't feel we can accept certain parts of ourselves. So, so, so many of us have secret lives, pieces of ourselves we can't reveal to other people that we can't share. We think if, if they, if somebody knows this about us, we won't be accepted. Uh, or we can split off into symptoms. Um, obsessional thoughts, uh, compulsive behaviors, um, again, things that we, we feel are unacceptable and that we can't share. There are so many ways that we can become haunted by these different facets of our own selves um, that, that we just don't know how to accept. Right. It's this fragmentation of self. It's this yes. whole piece. And, and herein lies the interesting thing in, in how this ties into karma. Now, Karma, everybody hears karma, and, they, and I think they misunderstand. Karma is about balance. It's about coming into life and us 
on every moment, and it's like a, of every second, we are attempting to balance ourselves. And that's truly what karma is, and karma comes about in lessons. And so when you look at a fragmented self, and we talk about beauty and the beast, if you look at it in the sense that what you're really attempting to do, the reason that you're hiding, the reason you don't like something, the reason that you're, you know, you're masquerading or you're, or you're, um, as you've just said, you're, you're manifesting these, um, for lack of better phrasing, as we're using it, beast behaviors, you know, these things that we don't like in ourselves. It's because we're not in balance. We're looking for, and so life is presenting us these opportunities to balance our karma, to balance our energies and our, our, uh, our footing, if you will. That's right. And so when we look at that, and we touched on this too, you know, there are so many, I, I want to go to some quotes that, uh, that I found in terms of beauty. And, and we're using the word beauty in, in these discussions of last week and this week's show, not in the sense of this external thing. Beauty is something that's innate. It's within you. We all are born of love, of beauty. And one of the most beautiful quotes I found was by Emily Dickinson. And she said, beauty is not caused. It is. Mm. Now, just sit and think about that for a minute, because our entire world is around the creation of beauty. What do I look like? What is my complexion? What is my figure? What is my dress size? What is my pant size? What does my hair look like? Do I have any hair? It's all about the creation, the causal effect of creating beauty, as opposed to, as she so eloquently put, realizing that you already are beauty. Yes. And somewhere in there, you know, we have to find the connection the the common thread in our in our fragmentations, this fragmenting of our personality. Where's the beauty? And you know, James, I was it's so interesting. I'm looking at the origins of the word beauty, and you have this embedded in your very motto, your mantra, because what it also means is goodness. It's exactly. It's wrap yourself in goodness, and that's. Yeah. Wrap yourself in your own beauty because you are that. And, and so many people, I mean, we're going to get into a lot more of this in the show, but so many people will literally, you know, there's a, a staggering statistic that I'm not going to, I'm not going to say why, where it comes from right this minute, but only 4% of women around the world consider themselves beautiful. 4%. Uh, staggering. That, that's it's staggering. staggering. Where's our beauty? And that's really what Dr. Jan and I are talking about in this in this two part series is where's your beauty? That's what this entire segment's about. Beauty is not external and it's not what's on the surface. It's inside. It's it's that innate piece of you. Um Confucius. Confucius says everything has beauty but not everyone sees it. Uh. So there again, we're talking, okay, if everybody has it, why is it that we don't see it in others? Why don't we see it in ourselves? Why don't we see it in our surroundings? Why don't we see it? You've got, from a clinical standpoint, how does beauty come in and affect, I mean, it seems to be at the root of 
many afflictions. Well, you know, it's interesting, James. Um, in, in, in classic psychological training, when we want to look at the origins of an attitude or belief within a person, we often look back into their early childhood. And people can feel very confused and, and they say, is it how I was treated? Was I not treated as, as a beautiful person? Uh, did, did my parents not perceive me as beautiful? And in a, in a very funny kind of way, it's not that at all. It's not how we're looked at or how we're treated. We look at how our parents, or particularly in this way for, for girls, let's say, our mothers, how they feel about themselves. And we model our own feelings about our own beauty based on how our mothers feel about their own beauty. And uh, unless, our, unless our mothers are very narcissistic, and that's a whole other problem, but in, in the normal population, you said it, if, if only 4% of women in the entire world, my goodness, really feel themselves as beautiful, the message the overwhelming majority of young women are getting from how their mothers feel about themselves is that they're not beautiful, they're not valuable, they're not worthy. And in fact, we were talking about a couple of advertising campaigns. Someone locally here in the Berkshires of Massachusetts, where I live, filmed an incredible sequence in concert with Dove about mothers and daughters. Because mothers, of course, all felt their daughters were beautiful, but the daughters didn't necessarily believe it because their mothers didn't believe it about themselves. Right, I was just going to say, because they saw it in, in each other, yes, but didn't see it in themselves. Exactly. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing. So there's clearly then a need for all of us to break the cycle. Yes. Because that's it what's really, there's a continuum here, right? right? It always because, starts, like with everything, right, James? It right. begins with, at, beauty begins at home. Right. Beauty begins at home. And who breaks the cycle or the circle? Because ultimately, you can look back and say, was it my childhood or was it this or that? And, and it's not to deny any of those, but they come in lessons. They come because we've asked them to come. Yes. At what point, whether it be mother, father, you know, son, daughter, you know, partner, whatever, you know, husband, wife, whatever package it comes in, at what point does someone break the cycle and say, yeah. oh, you know, it's, it's that beautiful quote, if not me, who? If not, if now, not now, when? 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 The other thing that comes to mind, dear James, is it's very, again, very much a religious, patriarchal kind of confusion because, you know, I was raised Catholic and we were taught that we were born ugly. We had sin in our soul, our soul, and this is, of course, what we're talking about, right? Our souls, which are beautiful, but our souls had original sin. They couldn't be beautiful. And that, uh, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden were beautiful until they, you know, bit of the, the apple, that the forbidden fruit. And, uh, and that's it. They felt ugly. They knew they were naked and they were ugly in their nakedness. These messages are so deeply embedded that to to begin to tease it out, we have to become very consciously aware that it's there. Well, and consciously aware of the need to change it. Yes. The need to break the cycle or break, you know, there's a, there has to be an, an empowering moment where every single one of us stands up and says, no more. And no more means I am beautiful just the way I am. 
you know, there's a beautiful saying of I'm perfect and evolving. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, perfection is elusive. It doesn't really exist. The, per- the perfection exists in the imperfections. And if we can then find the beauty in the imperfections and have the conscious awareness of our actions, our thoughts, and so forth, and, and our beliefs that we are something and we can be better, we can evolve, then we're always perfect and evolving. And, and that in terms of beauty, when we're talking about because there's this whole other, and we're going to get into this in the, in the second segment of the show, there was a whole other issue about, are we a positive society, i.e. are our thoughts, our words, and so forth positive, or are they negative? And there's, right. a, there's a great study that I'm going to share with everybody. I want to tie back into something, because you've just said this from the Adam and Eve, and how original sin, and how and Anne Frank, everybody knows Anne Frank, and she said, I don't think of all the misery, but of the, sorry, but uh, of, I can't even read my own handwriting. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> per- perfect and evolving. <laughs> it, it, perfect and evolving, exactly. I don't think of all the misery, but of that that still remains. Exactly. So she does, but that of the love that still remains. So when you look at the fact that in her circumstances, as we all know, where one would find ugliness in humanity, ugliness in self, ugliness because that's what you're 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 being persecuted. She's, you know, she's in the Holocaust. She's Jewish. She's looking at this whole thing of where you're having to be kept and hidden because somehow you must be ugly. And yet, her entire point was: I don't think of all the misery, of all the hate, of all the the anger, of all the aggression. I look. At, at the beauty that still remains. And that's what's so necessary for all of us, especially in this, in these times, uh, where there is so much, it should we choose to focus on it? There's so much that, that's ugly out there. Well, and, and in that, that's, that are, there again is, in each piece of ugliness, can we not find the underlining piece of beauty? It's opposite. And that, so if, if you take any world event, there are, th- you know, horrific atrocities happening. Underneath those atrocities is a message for the rest of us to walk in love, to act in love, you know, to see the beauty in the soul of humanity. Because that's how you then shift. I mean, if we're, we're collectively together, if I believe it and you believe it and the next person believes that the only way to change that is to act in harmony, to act in love, to act in beauty, you eradicate the beast. And you know, James, and I, I know that you're probably going to be going to break very soon, but I was thinking about our show from last week and getting ready for today and bringing it back home, this idea of the bully and bullying, and uh, we become our own bullies. The bully is inside of us. When we think about the way we think about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves when we're trying on a new uh Pair, you know, a new dress, a piece of clothing, uh, a new hairstyle. What do we say to ourselves? How do we speak to ourselves? And the need to be aware of the need to change is as important as knowing, for example, bullies in a school 
when when children are taught that they they're not just bystanders when they're taught to to be to involve themselves in the bullying episode to stand up and say stop that to to model more appropriate integration of everyone in the community to speak with beautiful speech uh that changes the environment that silences the bully and so again we have to stand up for our own selves in order to shift the entire consciousness of the planet yeah and it, and it's very interesting on the bullying front because when you really look at those that are being bullied and those that are doing the bullying you really come again to realize the bully is the one that's insecure the yes. bully is the one that has the inner critic that is associating more with the beast within than their own beauty. And they recognize, because, of course, the one that's being bullied is the one that is the outcast or the, you know, the weaker one. That's how they're perceived. And yet, it's exactly the opposite. That individual is the one that is in peace and harmony with themselves. They're different. And you can see their difference. And it threatens others. It threatens those that are less um, secure. That's right. They have these inner conflicts. And so it's exactly, it's, you know, it's the mere effect. It's the mere opposite of what's really taking place. And in that, for all to see, is a perfect example of beauty and the beast. The bully and the bullied. This beauty and the beast, this, you know, of course, it's beast and bully the way I said that, but you see that playing out in the sense of literally, do I see my beauty? Because the person that's being bullied isn't about, isn't going about bullying others. They understand their innateness. They might even understand their difference and understand they are different, whatever that difference is. It can be, you know, in, in children, you know, I've got horrible acne or I've got frizzy, curly, wild hair or, you know, or I'm effeminate, or I'm, you know, I'm just geeky, and I have glasses and, you know, dental stuff going on, all these things of, of course, natural processes of life. But somehow, they, they hold a balance in themselves that doesn't lash out from others to others. It's a, it's a very interesting Beauty and the Beast comparison on that. Um, you're listening to Dear James Live, Express Yourself. Tell it like it is, and then hear what Dear James has to say. We are on with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan, speaking about Beauty and the Beast, Part 2. We'll be back right after this message. To be more consciously enlightened is innate. Do you feel there's more to life? If so, find the resource that's right for you by going to dearjames.com slash resources. You are the reality you create. Make it a great one. When you ask a question, the universe hears you, and in a multitude of ways, they seek to communicate with you to provide the intuitive insight 
answers, and advice you seek. From serious to silly, monumental to mundane, there's nothing the universe can't cover. Maybe the insight you receive is exactly the affirmation you were looking for. Then again, it may just give you a whole new perspective on things. And that's the beauty of the universe. Submit your question to Dear James at DearJames.com and click Ask. The gift of giving is immeasurable. Give of your time, talent, resources, and money. Give not only because you can, but because by doing so, it is already coming back to you. As a people, we are only as strong as the least among us. Together, we harness the power of the collective whole and see through our deeds the power of miracles, both large and small. Find the charity that's right for you by visiting www.dearjames.com and click on Charitable Giving. One person or kind act really does make the difference. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dear James Live. Express yourself. Tell it like it is and then hear what Dear James has to say. Today, on with my amazing featured guest, Dr. Jan, and we are covering Beauty and the Beast Part 2. We are indeed taking your calls live in today's show. So if you're dealing with an inner conflict or an issue of that struggle with the beauty and the beast and so forth, the phone lines are open. It's 877-230-3062. Have the courage to call in live, as I say. Don't wait till the last minute because then there's just not enough time for Dr. Jan and I to speak with you and address the issue. So, Dr. Jan, let's, you know... We really want to move into the whole show is Beauty and the Beast. And we looked at that and tied that in with the, of course, the song, the lyrics from the song, yes. Beauty and the Beast, because it fits so well. There's, there's some of these. So in looking at this, I wanted to, you know, the, the song starts out, tale as old as time, true as it can be, barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. When we look at that and you understand that, you know, true as it can be, we all come, as you just said, original sin. And, you know, we all come with these lessons, these life experiences that we want to express, you know, that we're going to experience them. And it's the understanding that barely even friends is this issue between the soul and the personality. So let's talk about how unexpectedly things happen, you know, tying in that first verse, if you will. And James, I think it's so important if you would even just take another uh, pass at the difference between the soul and the personality. Well, you know, absolutely. Because the issue here in this, and, and the reason that we're tying this together is that you come into life, you are a soul. And from that is this strand, which is called the personality. And the personality and the soul, you know, they are there you know, together, one in the same, but the personality with this, with the ego mind, and we all need, as you've said, we all need a, a healthy ego mind, but the personality, the, the, the friction, you know, the beauty and the beast friction comes in because the personality is in conflict with its soul. That's or it doesn't right. even recognize that it has one. <laughs> exactly. And, and so the soul is the timeless piece that comes in exactly. and, and then has to make friends with 
uh, with the personality. Exactly, because they're barely even friends. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to understand, some people barely even understand that they, they, they you know, everybody says, right. oh yeah, of course there's a soul. Oh, but there's a detachment from it. They don't understand that they are that soul. That's they right. are that first. People associate with the personality. You know, the ego self, the personality self, they don't connect with their soul. And this, all this 2015 and beyond, this whole shift is now coming up. This age of Aquarius and, you know, very much the age of, of the feminine. Um, it's all about us getting back in touch with our soul and letting our soul lead. And it's how they then unexpectedly, you know, somebody bends. The personality has to bend. You know, they have to bend to the will of the soul because the soul is constant. (laughs) You know, the personality is the one experiencing life, but the soul is constant. And we come into the second verse. It's just a little change, small to say the least, both a little scared, neither one prepared, beauty and the beast. That for me, Dr. Jan, I don't know about you, but that for me encapsulates the whole issue of how the personality is afraid to, you know, it's scared. It doesn't know how to release because it feels like it has to control. This is life and it's all coming at me and I'm, I'm it. And they don't realize that they've got their best friend standing within them, next to them, all around them, which is their soul. Exactly. And I love that. And um, I'm actually looking up the quote, who are you not to be beautiful? Right? Um, there, there's a how, how funny that we're afraid of our own magnificence. Indeed. When we, we see the light that we are, we glimpse it, and it terrifies us. Yeah, it, it, it's literally one of those that's when we recognize our innate power, our innate limitlessness, our innate beauty, our innate grace. And when we shift from the personality to the soul, and you lead life with the soul, you know, it's, it's all about being willing to change, to evolve, to grow and to accept yourself and others. Because once we do that, once we start shifting, and we lead from a soul place, we're going to then see each other on a soul level, we're no longer going to need to look and judge and, and stay on the surface, you know, this, the, on the personality. We can That's look to right. the soul. We can go That's deeper. Right. Um, there was something, you know, these are universal truths is the notes that I wrote down about the next verse. It's ever just the same, ever a surprise, ever as before, ever just as sure as the sun will rise. In that the way I associate that to this whole topic is you're never going to get away from this truth, this beauty and the beast. It is the universal truth. We are one in the same, you know, they, they are, they are, you know, there, there's always the polarities, you know, you can't have light without dark. You can't have beauty without beast. You can't have them. They have to coexist. That's right. And so Dr. Jan, you know, in, you know, with all of the, you know, clinical, from a clinical standpoint, or even from the oracles that you deal with, you know, there's a point where we understand that once you come to that understanding of the two exist, how do you harmonize them? How do you balance them? 
so as to walk in peace and beauty and love. And and the important thing about that, James, it's so true when, when we're looking for what, why would someone come into psychotherapy? What would their goals be? How would psychotherapy help them? Well, in a, in a, you know, the ideal situation, it's exactly that. It's about learning to love our shadow, learning to understand that without our shadow, we're not complete and that we can't find the richness of ourselves, of our light without understanding our shadow as well. And by embracing all of who we are, we truly come to life. We begin to live. Because again, what happens, and this is what was happening in the fable of Beauty and the Beast, right? The Beast was in his castle. And in, in the movie that everybody's seen, he, there's, a, there's a rose and all the petals are falling off the rose. The Beast is dying because he's not living a life. He hasn't been able to accept himself. And he's he waiting to see if she finds his beauty. That's right. That's if right. She, you know, she, he's looking to see. I mean, the road, the petals are falling, right? Because it's, it's, will she look beyond his exterior, his beast, to see his beauty? That's right. And that's what all of our souls are calling us to see that every aspect, every facet of ourselves is acceptable, is lovable. And the, the pieces of us that we, that maybe need to change, you know, that's great. Constantly evolving constantly evolving. So that's the clinical work. That is really the clinical work. It is not to support, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of mix up these days where they say we're in an era where excellence is not rewarded. Everybody gets a prize. You've heard that, right? There's right, a trophy exactly. for everything now. Right. It's not about that. It's not about just uh, uncritically looking at everything with an un, a non-discerning eye. Because we're also here, part of the soul's path, and we talk about karma, is to balance out the things in our other lifetimes that weren't working, that weren't working for us. We are here to learn how to be more kind to each other, to ourselves. Uh, there's a word for it called ahimsa. It, it means no harm, no harm. So the highest spiritual practice is doing no harm. And that, and, yeah, I was just going to say do no harm. Exactly. Right. And so what we tend to forget, and so many people with good consciences come into therapy because they're so concerned they're harming everybody else. Our work is always to look at how are you harming yourself by not seeing your own beauty and rejecting the part of you you feel is the beast. Well, I was just going to say, because in that, really, the message is in the do no harm if we started that, you know, the old saying started at home, That's well, right. you know, and home is your vessel, your soul, your, your personality. And so if you realize that, well, as you said earlier, the comments you make about yourself, the thoughts that you think about yourself, I don't like, 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 that is harming yourself right at home. What is exactly. it then you're, you know, and then. What is it that you're going to take outwardly? You're going to take that outwardly to you. You know, let's jump into that because we're, we're in that piece right now and I want to shift and then we'll come back to the, the versing. But the, the beauty of Dove, we've talked about them. Mm. We hinted, I should say we hinted at them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the real beauty sketches that Dove did was this social experience, uh, social experiment, I'm sorry, where they 
asked women to come in and they used a forensic sketch artist and he never saw them and they came in and they would sit and he would ask them specific questions about their features and he then and they would answer and he would sketch then they had a second person come in and unbeknownst to the the person that had just left this other person that comes in was asked to get to know the woman that had just described themselves and they then sit down and this same sketch artist asked them questions about, he asked the, the, the next person questions about the woman that they got to know who had just answered her own questions. And then, of course, they put up two sketches and they bring these women back in. And inevitably, the sketch of how they saw themselves, of how they described themselves, was far different from mm. the one of the person that saw them. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen... You know, to the listeners, if you have not seen these, you know, Dove has done a brilliant job about addressing this exact topic, um, you know, with selfies, the domino effect, um, mm-hmm. you know, love your curls, all of these about getting and, and predominantly focused towards women, getting them to see their beauty, getting them to see their lack in their lack in the way they're describing themselves and the way they're seeing themselves and the way they're loving themselves. What was your, you know, there's favorites. And what, what, did you, what did you take away from these, these Dove Real Beauty segments? Excuse me, <clears throat> James, I was... No problem. And I know you. Dr. Jan is battling a cold. She's in the, in, in the freezing cold of the East. and uh, It could be my beast just trying to escape. <laughs> <clears throat> be gone, beast. Uh, these campaigns are so important. There, when when you see that, because again, perception is everything. Perception is and reality. Yes, yeah. we were talking about Bradley Cooper last week, and even Eddie Redmayne, who uh, won for Best Actor. And we, James, you and I talked about the Oscars because we are creatures of our culture, right? Beautifully uh, in that way, and Eddie Redmayne didn't use any special effects to make his transformation as Stephen Hawking. And, 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 and yet the beauty of both of these souls so clearly revealed and the characters who played them saw them through the eyes of love. So self-esteem is, is completely related again to those concepts we hold about ourselves and the Twitter, uh, the other thing that we talked about uh, with Dove is that they are doing a Twitter campaign at hashtag speak is it has hashtag, hashtag uh, speak beauty exactly yes and exactly. the idea that i think what did they say f- five million tweets f- 500 million tweets uh, negative uh right, i think it was a, yeah it was i think it was 100 million tweets that were negative that uh, had about, this negative how feel about them exactly right about negative comments about their beauty their bodies exactly or others because again when we've internalized the beast, we can become beastly to others. So relational aggression, the idea about mean girls, that's, that really exists. And one of the, the biggest ways to uh, take away someone's power is to speak negatively about their appearance. And that's been really robustly uh, shown through the work of relational aggression. 
so Dove has instituted a campaign that says even one positive tweet changes the conversation. Right. It breaks the, it breaks the cycle. It knocks the other hundred million down because exactly. it starts the chain. It starts a different domino effect. It, it eliminates and, and Dove has really been at the forefront of this. I mean, they, they came out with an understanding that, that, and that, you know, this, it's not just women, but we're focusing on that because it's, uh, women are, tend to be more vocal and receptive. You know, they're vocal about these issues and they're, That's they're right. constantly looking and they're more in touch with this element and this fact. But men suffer the same, you know, don't be fooled. You know, men suffer the same. Um, inner critic, you know, and that same kind of inner beast by all means. It and just, this was so beautifully illustrated again at the Oscars, which is wonderful because it's, it's seen in a hundred countries by millions and millions of people where the, the young man who won for best screenplay said, you know, at 16, he wanted to kill himself because of the beast inside of him feeling right. he was weird, feeling he didn't fit in. Being bullied uh, and feeling exactly and feeling like right. he was inadequate or didn't have a right to be here and yet you find that he finds his beauty and asks that everybody standing there in the years to come remind the next generation of their beauty and wasn't it wonderful stay weird stay weird because yeah stay weird because in that is it's it's saying find your soul if you're if you're true if your trueness you know if you're raw essence is to be weird in that given moment, you know, to be different, then love yourself and realize it wasn't a mistake. You're not a mistake. You know, James, there, uh, you, you um, so beautifully invite me to talk about the process of how people get well in their therapy whenever you ask about the, the clinical stuff. And I, there's an example and I'm dating myself like a little bit this way, but there's an example I always use with my patients. When they're talking about how out of place they feel, I tell them, especially if they're women, they're like Marilyn from the Munsters. I don't know how many of you remember the show, The Munsters, but it's a family of monsters. There's Frankenstein and you know his wife who looks like a vampire, and there's Uncle Al. Well, the real vampire in the basement. Anyway, they're all kooks. And Marilyn is this very normal, beautiful conventional beauty and she's the niece and and yet they all tolerate her because she's different and they tell her how different she is but they love her and tolerate her and she accepts she's very different and they've it's hysterical because she's the normal one of the bunch and so when people are talking about how out of place they feel i say you're like marilyn and the monsters it's not you who's off everyone else is off and not able to perceive the ways that they're off and it's that's just such an important thing to hold on to. Yeah, because it, and because and again, you know, when we're talking about finding this, it's about empowerment. It's about self worth, self value. You know, finding. You know, it, it's one thing to address and and you know the need. There's an absolute need for us to balance our our light and our dark, our beauty and our beast. There, you're never going to eradicate the beast. You're never going to eradicate the beauty. It's it's in, it's, but it's like a piece of clay. It's a sculpture and it's a lifelong endeavor. It's about molding and shaping and cultivating it so as to bring about this balancing of beauty, of, of essence, knowing that your soul is leading. We get into a lot of trouble when our personality leads. Yes. 
that's the real point and lesson of this of this two part series is it's it's a it's a call to action to break this cycle and to start leading with your soul to tune into your soul let your soul lead because when your soul leads your soul only has your highest and best constantly at the forefront period it's the personality that will divert. <laughs> and, and James, you know, that's also brilliant. <clears throat> and again, thinking therapeutically, clinically, when people want to ask the question, how do I know what's leading here? Is it my soul or is it my personality? That's exactly the answer. Is what you're doing or thinking of doing or how you're thinking of yourself, is it in your highest and best? Your highest and best, not somebody else's highest and best, but is it serving you in your highest and best? If it is, then it's your soul that's leading. And if your personality is also choosing it, then your personality has now become a partner to your soul. And that's what a lifetime is for, to bring our personalities in line with our soul's path and purpose. That's the most beautiful elevation because we pick a personality. And this is what you were saying, James. If people aren't happy with something about themselves, to ask the question, why did I pick this? How, what did I, why did I put on this particular set of clothing to teach me something? What lesson is it that I came here to learn? How can I learn it? And, and again, that's how we, we pull our, our souls into service so that our personalities can evolve. Well, truly. And, and, you know, Gary Zukoff in The Seat of the Soul has this eloquent quote, which I've used before in it. And it is, you know, you know the greatest achievement is when the personality is in service of the soul. Mm-hmm. When it's in 100% mm-hmm. service of the soul, these, you know, and what you'll also see and feel is that the swings, you know, the pendulum swings of beauty or the beast, well, it, it's, it's the, uh, the, the, like the apparatus of the pendulum. You know, if you pull the ball, you know, that, the silver ball back way, you know, to one side and you let it go, it smacks the other ball to the far left side. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're sitting in the personality is in service of the soul, that pendulum is going to stay, those, those balls are going to swing right in the center in mm. a constant, you know, a constant balanced movement. So your swings, you know, the mood swings, the, the, the deprivation that you feel for yourself, these things will begin to, you know, severely, redu- you know, reduce themselves because you, you'll be more in harmony. You'll be karmic, you know, in your, in your harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the brand always did something. It, it's hashtag like a girl. And they did a brilliant one, a brilliant uh, piece where they asked girls, you know, ages maybe from eight up to, you know, maybe their 20s, early 20s. And they would say, throw like a girl, run like a girl, talk like a girl. And they all, um, you know, exaggerated themselves. And then they came back and they asked them, they asked, uh, what would it be like if you ran you know, run for me. And they were completely the opposite. They would run in place very quickly. If they threw, they'd say, throw a ball. And they would throw it with all this force and energy. And then they said to them, they'd ask them, and they'd said, so why, did, why is there the difference? And they said, well, in the second one, I'm being me. And all hmm. of a sudden, you see on their face, you see on each one of their faces, this recognition inside of, oh, I'm, 
I'm mimicking a stereotype. You know, when, in the first one, I'm exactly. mimicking a stereotype. I'm living a, I'm, you know, I'm perpetuating it. And all of a sudden, there's this realization of, oh, I'm playing into something that undervalues not only myself, but women, souls, people. And there's this great transformation that comes out of that. So again, it's another one. It's, it's a hashtag like a girl. Um, look at those. They're amazing because it's another one. There's one with the Italian boys where they're asked to hit. Um, ultimately, they're asked to hit a girl. This beautiful, you know, young model is standing there and these younger boys and they're, you know, 10 to 14 or so. And it's all about, you know, say something to her. You know, they started with something light and they lead up to the last one, which is to slap her. And they all say to hit her. And they all say, oh, no, no. Like they won't do that. And it comes about because they, this beautiful expression of what is acceptable and what's okay. And do you do, you know, are we all sheep? Do we just do what we're told? Or do we listen to our soul that says to us, no, 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 that's not right. There's a beauty and there's a beauty, you know, there's beauty and beast in each of these. So beautiful pieces. I want to go, Dr. Jan, back to, um, just one piece on this, uh, on the lyrics with the song Beauty and the Beast. You know, tale as old as time, tune as old as song, bittersweet and strange, finding you can change, <laughs> learning you were wrong. Song. Best yeah. words in the whole song. The two, you know, bittersweet and strange, finding you can change, learning you were wrong. Exactly. And that's the message here that for everybody listening is, it's, it's finding that you can change. You can change the way you think about yourself. You can change the way you feel about yourself. You can learn. If you're open to it, you can learn that you were wrong, that you really are beautiful, that you really are perfect just the way you were created, and that everything you chose, you chose for a reason. And instead of focusing on the negatives of it, whether you do that with in therapy, like with someone as amazing as Dr. Jan, I mean, they're, they're amazing practitioners. I have the, the, the beautiful pleasure many, many times to, to have Dr. Jan on with such grace and beauty and insight in her practice to show you that you can change and that you, you know, that when you open yourself up, you might just be wrong about whatever the, the beast is because you brought the beast in to teach you something to transcend yourself. Um, Let's, Dr. Jan, talk about positives. Like, what are some of the things that people can do to transcend this? Because it's all about, uh, of course, knowing what the issue is, but how do we move them through? How do people okay. move through? So now we're going to get super clinical just for a minute, and we're going to talk about brain science. And the challenge is, the problem is, our brains, uh, and the brain that's in our head is really just a filter for consciousness, uh, it's not our soul. It's not all of us. It's not even our mind. However, the chemistry of what's happening in that gray matter up in our skull very, is very, very influential in how we function in the world. So we have to be very careful because what we know about brain chemistry 
is when it's loaded up with negativity, our thoughts, what we're thinking, what we say about ourselves. When it's loaded up, chemistry changes and we get more of the chemicals that cause us to be irritable, that cause us to be angry, that cause us to be, that we actually literally misperceive things. We will, we will see something out in the world in a negative way that's not negative because our brain chemistry is altered. And we know that the more this happens, the more it will happen. We, because our brains are trainable, we train them. So if we train them in a negative pathway, they stay negative. So the most important thing we have to do is change our brain, change the way we think and how we speak to ourselves, the choices we make in order to set off new neurochemistry and the possibility of positivity. Make sense? Absolutely. And I was going to say, and tying in, you know, there's the expressions of, you know, fake it till you make it if you're not exactly. feeling it. Exactly. And, and this isn't Pollyanna. This no, isn't like feed yourself. Science. Right. I mean, yeah, what you were talking about, but I'm saying in, in a remedy of, of changing your thoughts, your behaviors, your, your words and everything. It's well, not yes. about being, you know, it's not about being a Pollyanna. It's no. about seeing, it's about recognizing the inner critic, your, your continual pattern and being willing to change it. That's not being a Pollyanna. <laughs> no, not at all. No, in fact, it's being a brain scientist. You're actually, that's the only way that you can change your brain. So what I'll do with my patients is I'll say for every negative statement you've made about yourself, you have to counter it with three positives. And again, there's no accident that I say three to one because it takes three positive statements to make a different synapse in the brain. To, to, to the, and a synapse is a connection so that you change the connections. You can only change it by a three to one ratio. And that's, and that's amazing because it's when you realize you're, you're on a path. And if you understand that your path, if you understand your inner critic and you understand your behaviors and your beliefs and your thoughts, and you know that they're, they're critical and that they're undermining you. You know, one of the things that I'd written down, Dr. Jan, and it's very, you and I are so on the same page was make a list of the positives you know, write down notes to yourself Yes. of your positive attributes and post them up. Put them on the mirror in the morning, Got you know, it. when you're getting ready. Doing these things where there's positivity that you're forcing yourself to write something beautiful about yourself. And the other thing, James, and this is something that you and I are so blessed to share, only surround yourself with positive people who love you and who can see you just like that dove commercial, this Dove campaign, just like the beautiful fable of Beauty and the Beast, only be with people who reflect your magnificence. So whenever you're wavering, they're saying to you, this is what I see. This is your beauty. Here you are. And that got me into thinking, Dr. Jan, too, that tell people, we always talk about, you know, somebody, and, and I'm just tying this in for a second. Yeah, We're coming down to the last few minutes of the show, but you know, we always say, oh, someone passes and we say, I wish I would have said to them. Uh, and yeah. I would say to you now in the same vein of Beauty and the Beast, tell others what you love and see about or in them. Send them a note, send them an email, send them a tweet. Do something that says, you know, I've always loved your, your beautiful smile. I've always loved the way you carry yourself. Tell them the beauty that you see in them. And start that domino effect. Start breaking the cycle. Exactly. Be a mirror to others' goodness. 
indeed and wrap yourself you know the, the beauty of that in giving you know it's all about the abundance seeing the abundance and when we give we're already receiving it's already coming back to us and when we do that authentically and you can literally say you know uh, with, with dr jan you know i love your personality i love the innate grace and beauty in the way that you convey yourself and in the way that you connect with people it is God-given, and it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so I wanted to start that, if we can call it that challenge of tell people what's beautiful about them. Tell them and show them their beauty. Beautiful. So, Dr. Jan, you know, we're coming down to the last few minutes. A closing thought on Beauty and the Beast. Well, that um, you're the most beautiful example, James, of goodness in the world. So paying that forward and our work on these two shows has caused me to think and reflect in a way I never have before about my own beauty, my own beast. So I thank you for that. And I just um, look forward to more and more times with you and, and our, and our wonderful, wonderful listeners. Well, thank you, Dr. Jan. And to everyone out there listening, beauty and the beast it's all about loving yourself. It's all about taking every facet, every fragmented piece of yourself and finding the beauty in it because you chose it and you chose to learn from it. You chose to transcend it. And when we do that in an open and an authentic way and when we give to others and to ourselves and when we do no harm, you're going to find this beautiful balance. You're going to find your beauty. And you're going to come to appreciate your beast because your beast is really just the masquerade. It's like the fairy tale in the movie. What was underneath was this loving, beautiful soul. And we only needed to see it, to recognize it in ourselves and in others for it to come to fruition, for it to be realized. That's what we're talking about in Beauty and the Beast. So please, please, please. Break the cycle, break the circle, begin a new dialogue, and with yourself, with others, be proactive, give yourself notes, give them to others, reinforce a positive atmosphere, and as Dr. Jan said, and when you do that, surround yourself, as I say, wrap yourself in goodness, surround yourself with people that will mirror that beauty and mirror that ascension that you're looking for. Because that's how you then continue the beauty of your journey. You're listening to Dear James Live, Express Yourself. Tell it like it is and then hear what Dear James has to say with my featured guest, Dr. Jan. And as I always say to you in my closing, no matter where you are or whom you're with or what you're doing, wrap yourself in goodness. You've been listening to Dear James Live on the radio with your host, Dear James. Gain intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions and so much more by tuning in next week and visiting DearJames.com.